Pastor Daniel referred to Psalm 37. Psalm 37 verse 4 is my favorite verse. As a young man in high school, my principal, he said, David, you need to get a verse and you need to memorize it and you need to make it your life verse. And so I took Psalm 37 verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Because I thought, hey, that's not a bad deal. And so I, I figured, hey, if I've got a choice, I'll pick that one. What I found was the more I delighted in the Lord, the, Lord, the more my desires changed to his desires. And the more that I delighted in him, he actually gave me the desires of my heart. So I've learned to experience that from my youth. But I'd like to read you a couple more verses here. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. Now, the context of this is don't fret because of evildoers, and don't be envious towards their wrongdoers. So the, the context is evaluating people around you that maybe are not living a righteous life, and it says don't be envious of them. And don't fret because of them. Instead, trust in the Lord. Dwell in the land. Cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. What do you need done today? What do you need done today? Man, we, we complicate the gospel. Last time I checked, it was good news. What do you need done today? I know some of you. I know all of you, but I know some of you a little more. And I know that there's things going on in your mind. When I say, what do you want done today? What do you need done today? You're going, yeah, but would he actually do that? Yes, he Will, yes, he can, and yes, he does. And then it says, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light. And then I love this, and your judgment as the noonday. So I want to prophesy over you right now that some of you have been looking at what the, don't be, don't fret because of what the evildoers are, do, are doing, and don't be envious of what their wrongdoings are. But trust in the Lord, dwell in the land, commit your way to him, delight in him, and he's going to bring forth your righteousness and he's going to pass judgment on your behalf. So I prophesy to you that judgments will be coming to your favor. Things that you're looking at that you could say, well, it could go this way, or that way, I prophesy over you right now that the judgment will come in your favor. The judgment will come in your favor. That's what the Word of God says. So when I'm prophesying, all I'm doing is I'm just speaking His Word. Your judgment as the noonday. Hallelujah. Grace is pretty amazing. Grace is not a New Testament 
idea. But grace is actually throughout the whole scriptures. This verse that I just read talks about the grace of God, his favor. If you study it, you find out that grace is actually in the Old Testament. And when you look at it, time and time and time again, God extends his grace to the nation of Israel, to the people of Judah. And, and it's extending where he says, it, I find this amazing. God speaks to the prophets. He speaks to Moses and he says, listen, I know they're going to go and make a mess of things. But if they turn their hearts, come crying back to me, I'll heal their land. Can you imagine serving someone that knows you're going to mess up, knows the extent of your mess up, and says, but... If you come back to me and you cry out to me, I'll heal you, hear you, and I'm going to take care of you. That's a picture of grace. Last week, we looked at the measures of grace, the newness of grace, and we saw that we had a new standard, a new verdict, a new future, a new relationship, a new door, new victory, and a new way to reign. And what I find interesting is as I read Romans chapter 5 last week, what we were doing, we were just seeing this amazing picture of what Christ has done for us and how Christ has satisfied and given these amazing gifts to us, this gift of grace, and how the comparison was what Adam did and how Christ did even more. And as I read it last week, for sake of time, I knew I didn't have enough time. But that type of grace demands a response. That type of grace that God gives us demands a response from you and I. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to spend a few minutes and I want us to look at what should our response be to the favor, the kindness, the good nature, the goodwill, the benefit, the blessing, the goodness of God? What should our response be? And I might get even a little theological. Pastor Nelson laughs. He's probably praying for me too. Did you know when you accepted Christ and he came to reign in your life, you died with him? Do you know that when you died with him, you actually died with him 2,000 years ago? I can't figure, I've I got to be honest with you, that, that messes with my mind. But the 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 power of what Christ did, he did once. He did once, and he did it for all. So I want us to look for a few minutes in the next chapter, in Romans chapter 6, and I want us to take a few moments and see what is our response to this grace.
what is our response to this grace? Last week, I think I was a little drunk as I preached. This week, I don't think I'm drunk. I think Pastor Daniel enjoyed watching me. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 6. I want to read, I want to read the whole chapter. I want to try to give us a whole picture and not just one verse. I want to give us a whole chapter. And then I want to talk about a few things that Paul writes in here. By the way, when Paul writes this, this is actually God speaking. It says in the Bible, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathed. Another passage says that God spoke, but he spoke through how the prophets wrote. So there may be some nuances that Paul brings, but it's breathed and it's inspired and it's God speaking because God speaks through whatever vessel he uses. So his, his speak can be very much through the oracle of you or me or someone else, and quite often that is how that comes out. So that's why we have such a variance and such an amazing color when we look at how Christ moves and how he speaks, because he speaks through how each one of us lives and operates. So Paul writes this, and he, he, he writes that Romans 5 in this amazing, all these new things that grace brought, and then he starts in verse 1 of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Now if you go back a few chapters in chapter 3, he writes a similar thought because he was accused of telling people, you know what, grace is there so live however you want because grace covers it. And that was a pre prevalent thought back in the day. It's funny, that was 2,000 years ago. And we haven't changed a whole lot. And last week I said, or the week before, I said, you know, we, we use the term, I, I grew up with a term called sloppy agape and greasy grace. And because of that, we stayed away from looking at the grace of God. Because I didn't want to get into error. And, and if you read in Jude, you can actually take the grace and you can do it wrong. So what we need to do is we look, need to look at grace and see how can we apply and how can we walk in the grace that God's given us because what we need to do is we need to walk into the fullest extent of the grace of God in our life. We need to. We need to walk in the fullest extent and the greatest measure of his love that he has for us. So I am trying to be very careful to give you a picture of grace that would push you to exercising grace in a way that you haven't exercised it before, but in a way that would honor what God has done and what Jesus paid for. I want to stretch your thinking on how grace can be applied in your life. And I'll tell you this, it's not a license to do wrong. But it's an empowerment to do right. And freedom, we, we have this term, I, I love these terms, freedom. 
The freedom that I have is not so that I can live the way I want. The freedom is that I'm free from the past or free from sin, free from those things so that I can live how God wants me to live. So when we look at grace this morning, I want us to take a few minutes and see how should my response be to this amazing grace that God has for me. And the first thing I see is it says, what shall we do? Should we continue in sin? Because just the verse before it, he said where, where sin is, grace abounded that much more. So it could be a very logical thing for somebody to think, well, then I can just keep doing what I want because grace is there. No. He says, God forbid. One of the passages I read, one of the translations or the versions I read, it was, what a ghastly thought. Certainly not. Absolutely not. The grace that God gives us is not so that we can continue in the way, but it's that we can move in a new way. And Paul takes this and then he says, and he says, I want to show you something. He says, when Christ died, you died. Think about that for a second. This, I hope this stretches your mind. I had a conversation with Pastor Nelson this week. And it was stretching my mind. And then as I continued studying, it's like, wow. Now, this was written 30, 40, 50 years after Christ, maybe sooner. So in, a, in, in retrospect, quite close to that time. But here we are 2,000 years ago uh, from now, from then. And it's still valid. It's still true. It's still real. And Paul is saying here, he's writing it down, and he says, don't you know, he says, how, how should we who died to sin live in it anymore? Don't you know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Now, he talks about three things here. He talks about his death, he talks about his burial, and he talks about his resurrection. And each time he says, don't you know, if Jesus, if we've been baptized, and that word baptized means immersed. One of the, one of the uh, concordances said it's like putting a cucumber in that vinegar and it becomes a pickle. It's immersed. Your life is immersed in Jesus. In Christ, in our Savior. I want to give you, I want to paint a picture for you of the richness and the way that we live now. When I was a kid, there was a, 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 a theological uh, philosopher, a, a gentleman named Francis Schaeffer. And he did this thing called, How Then Should We Live? And I don't remember much of it except that he was, he looked like a real philosopher. A gray beard, and he was, and and he was very systematic, very. And but what he was doing was he was breaking down how should we actually live according to what Christ has done for us. How should I now live? And the first thing I want us to see is when we've been baptized into Christ, we've been baptized into His death. He says. Don't you know that you've been 
baptized into Christ Jesus, you've been baptized into death. Therefore, when you have, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So he says, not only were you baptized into his death, but now you've been buried with him. He says that you've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. You and I walk in a new life and a newness of life because of what Christ did, but also because we are immersed in Christ. I think sometimes we have to think about this and we have to let it sink into our cranium. I don't need to speak for 75 minutes. I want to speak just for a few minutes, but can we let it sink in that the life that you and I live, it changed the moment I accepted Christ. What I did was I was buried, I was died with him, I was buried with him, and then I was raised with him, and that moment I dedicated my life to him, my life changed, and I started to walk with a newness of life. That's the power of grace. He says, should I continue in sin that grace may abound? Grace does abound, but it abounds as we walk in a newness of life. He says this, he goes over this picture about three or four times. He then goes, he says, so let me say it again to you. So if we've been united with him in the likeness of his death, so now he's using united and likeness. And that word likeness is the same word that talks about how he came and took on the form and the likeness of man. So he says, if, if we've been united with him, In the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. How should we live? We should live a new life. And you say, well, that's just Paul saying it right there. You know what? If you read Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, you will find a similar message coming through there. If you read Corinthians, you will find that he says in Corinthians, you are a new creation. You are a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. The power of grace in our life is not that I continue and keep doing what I've done, but it's that I've been dead, buried, and now I've risen up a new man. I am no longer the man I used to be. I am no longer the man I used to be. I am no longer the person that used to behave in this manner, speak this, act like this, behave like this, have these tantrums, have this tantrum, uh, have this control issue, that. I am no longer like that. Now I am a new creation in Christ Jesus because when I accepted him, I was buried, I, I was crucified, I was buried, and I rose again in newness of life. And then he continues on. And he says, knowing this. So he says it first of all in verse 4. 
or verse 3, verse 4, verse 5. And now he says in verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Have you ever rendered yourself crucified with him? I had to, I had to really think about that this week. Last week, I, I used the term a veteran Christian. Sometimes as a veteran, we've forgotten our birth. We've reasoned away. We've legitimized our behavior. We've even spiritualized it. We've taken a verse that we've read and we said, oh, because of that. Well, you know it says I have to speak the truth. So I'm going to speak the truth. But it says speak the truth in love. Oh, I forgot that part. But I am a new creation. David Stunenberg, the old man, died, was buried, and the only reason why I rose again is because of what Christ did and the fact that he rose from the dead. Therefore, I rose with him, and now I walk in newness of life. And what is that newness of life that Jesus walked in? Do you know, he's seated with the Father. If you read Ephesians, it says we're seated in heavenly places. And if you study it, you find out that's not just talking future, that's also talking now. There's other verses that talk about our citizenship. My passport might read Canadian, but my real passport speaks Havanian. I'm a citizen of heaven. I, I'm, I'm trying to be slow at this, but at the same time, I'm hoping to stretch your minds. Because when we think about it, and when we take the time to think about it, it should cause us to have a different response to it. When you and I accepted Christ, that act looked like what he's writing here in Romans, where he says, when you accepted Christ, you became a new creation. The old man is dead, buried, and a new man comes up and is alive. You have no position and no right and no reason to start living the old way. Am I stretching your minds this morning? Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is free from sin. You cannot live where you are dead. Think about that. I think we have too many of us believers walking around with an old man mentality.
We need to walk around with a new man mentality. And you've got to come next week because I'll explain that a little bit more next week. Because there is a dilemma that happens when we walk in the new man. What happens when I do what I don't want to do and I don't want do what I want to do? We'll get to that. I, I'm bound to deal with that next week. I can't just give this to you. I have to give this to you, let it sink in for a week, and then let you experience the moments this coming week where you want to do this, but you end up doing that. And then you say, well, when I'm, I'm a wretched man. Oh, God, help me. So this week, you may have some, oh, God, help me moments. Come next Sunday, and God will help you. But this week, what I want us to do is I want us to see that our position has changed. I, David Stunenberg, am dead to sin. I am dead to sin. I have moved from a victim to a victor. I have moved from victim of being under that burden to living under that burden to now walking in newness of life and being a victor. I am no longer a victim of what I used to do. I no longer am ruled by those things. Now my speech is different and I, I am a victor because I walk in newness of life. And I want you to see a couple things about how this affects us. It says now if we've died with him, we should also believe that we'll live with him. And I love how Jesus is so complete. He doesn't just leave us hanging. Talking about a cross. He doesn't just leave us there. But he says, if you've died with me, in the same way, you also live with me. Your position has changed. You've got a new address. You've got a newness of life. The power of sin is broken. I had a few of you with weak amens. It's like, should I say amen at that point? Because the power of sin is broken. The power that sin had over me no longer has the power over me. I am a new creation. I just see my time. I've got three minutes and ten seconds left. I told you I was going to read the whole chapter, and I'm in verse 8. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. Now, think of this. If you read this passage, read how many times it says, in Christ, with Christ, through Christ. Talking about you and me. So I'm going to be a little, I'm going to take a little step on the wild side. Because it says if we've died with Christ, we believe we'll also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, and because I've died with him, I also put myself in there that I've been raised from the dead, never to die again. Death no longer is master over him or over me. Grace is kind of radical. And what it produces is it produces a new life 
a newness of life. So I live from this position and I live from this place and I don't go back there. I live from here. If somebody from my old life comes calling, they're not talking to the same David. For that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But that life that he lives, he lives to God. So the life that you and I live, if we read that verse, we, read, we live to God. Last week I had a couple songs going through my mind. As I was studying, a song came to my mind from a guy named Bob Dylan. you got to serve somebody. And if you read this passage, it actually says that. He says, well, whoever you yield yourself you're, you're, you yield yourself to, you become the servants to. And the moment I accepted Christ, I died with him, was buried with him, and then I raised with him, and I've yielded myself now as a weapon of righteousness, as an instrument of righteousness, as a person who now walks in righteousness, and I am now a slave to Christ. That is my response to chapter 5 of the amazing grace and the new grace and the newness that he brings. So I'm going to just finish reading this because the Bible says it much better than I do. You could have said amen there and you would have been correct. But thank you, you've just built my ego and now God's got to humble me. Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin. Consider yourself. Think about it this way. Reckon. Put it in the account. This is now my bank. That I am dead to sin, but alive to Christ, alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is where I live. You say, well, what if I make a mistake? Come back next week and invite a friend and read chapter 7 and chapter 8. But if we're going to look at grace, let's look at it and see what he's done, and then let's see how we respond to it. My response to grace is I've accepted Christ, and when I accepted him, I was dead, buried, and now I've come to a new life. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And don't go on, uh, do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God. See that response? Present yourself to God. Those, as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin does not rule you any longer. So if you come to me and say, I couldn't help myself, I'll be honest with you, and I'll say, yes, you could. And you know what? I've been there where I said I couldn't help myself, but if I was to be honest, I present myself 
to him. In Romans, it says, present yourself a living sacrifice. Now, this is, this, I, I hope I'm stretching you a little bit. I'm hoping this week you're going to go back and you're going to read this chapter and you go, did he actually say that we died with Christ, that we were buried with him, and that we rose with him? And if you study it and you look at it closely, you will find out that they're talking about the moment you accepted him, you actually were on the cross and it was nailed to the cross. It's like... I have no right to live the old life because I've been crucified. It says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live to him and to his glory. Why? Because of the grace. We can get so excited. We can get so immense, extravagant. We can get so sloppy with grace. But let's do it living in Christ. Let's push grace through my relationship with Christ now that I'm alive with him. And the grace that he has is now for me in this place and in this position. And this is where I live from. My address changed. My relationship changed. And what does that do? It changes our mindset. It changes my mindset. Because now my mindset is, no, I am dead I've reckoned myself. I have put it into the account that this is no longer ruling me. So therefore, I do not come back to this side of the bracket. I do not. I do not come back this side. I stay. I will stay on this side. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Grace is amazing. But I'm going to tell you something. What Christ has done, the grace that he's given us, it's actually how we live with it that changes things. How do I apply? Do I apply his grace that I'm a new creation and therefore I'm not going to use an excuse, but I'm going to say, Lord, I need your help and I need your enablement because I'm struggling right now. For sin shall not have master over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. What shall we say then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? May it never be. Don't you know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slave of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that through you, though you were slaves... Of sin you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. What I want to hammer today is you are free from sin. Sin no longer has a hold on me. Sin no longer dictates my life. 
I'm dead to it. As kids would say, and those people when they argue, you're dead to me. That's what we say to sin. You're dead to me. Because I don't live here. I live as a new creation. This is where I live. I'm going to close with an illustration. As poor as that might be as a representation, picture that Christ. Just take a little, just a little bit. Even, yeah. Now Christ is much bigger than this. Christ is much bigger than this. And I am much smaller than this. But it says in another passage that I'm hidden in Christ. And if you do this long enough, you can no longer take me out of this mixture. You can no longer even distinguish me compared to Christ. I don't live over here. I am continually being molded, shaped by the master. And the more that I am, the process of sanctification, the more that I am, all of a sudden, you wake up and you go, where did David go? I have now... You can't even see. You can't even see where I come from or what I've become. Why? Because I've been hidden with him. And my life is hidden with him. And it's no longer I that live, but he that lives in me. This, my friend, is the power of grace. This is the power of grace. Of grace. I've tried to be as theological as I can be. This week, I suspect Pastor Nelson will sit me down and say, according to the Greek, and I'll say, but it's all Greek to me. And I'm just kidding. Pastor Nelson, I appreciate his wisdom. He's forgotten more than I've learned. And that's not because he's forgetful. <laughs> it's because he's learned a lot and studied a lot. Sin no longer rules me. Why? Because of grace. So how should we then live? That's the question we started. That's the question I'd like to end with.
How should you live? You live with the mindset that I'm not alive to sin. I'm dead to sin, and I'm alive to Christ. Amen? Can I pray for you? Because as you've listened to this, <laughs> you're going to have instances this week where you're going to be challenged, not up here, but down here. You're going to be challenged this week. Am I living? Where am I living? And you will have to make the determination and you will have to make the reckoning that I live here. You have to. Because this is where you live according to the work that Christ did when he died on the cross and I died with him and I was buried and now I've risen a new man, a new creation in Christ Jesus. So the grace that I walk in, I walk in from this place and if my leg seems to wander, I'm going to pull it back and say, no, this is where I live from. Grace is amazing when we see what Christ did for us. Grace gets real challenging when we see how we apply it. But I'm committing myself this week to live from this position. And I'm not going to beat myself up if I make a mistake. Because I've died to that. That is not my, my servant. That's not my master anymore. My master is Jesus. And this is where I live from because of the grace of God and the grace of Jesus and what he did for me. I now live from here. And my life is hid in him. So what I want to do is I want to pray for you because this week I'm going to ask God... <laughs> I'm going to ask God to make this alive in you. I didn't get one amen. Are you okay if I ask God to make this alive in you this week? Because there's no greater adventure than learning and walking with Christ. And there's no way better of doing it than actual doing it. So if you could close your eyes, I'm going to pray for you. Father, I just ask right now that you would cause us, even while our eyes are closed, that our eyes of understanding would be open to what you have done for us. Lord, and that we would understand the riches, the blessings, the greatness of the grace that you have bestowed upon us. And Lord, that we would recognize the grace that you've given us helps us and keeps us as we walk in newness of life this week. Lord, may we think about what newness of life means with respect to being in Christ. And may our lives be hid in you this week in a greater measure. In your precious name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing...